0: Welcome back to the second episode of Parental Guidance. It's a podcast brought to you by the team here at Mahogany. And it's all about artists that we love in conversation with their parents. I'm thrilled to say that we've got Billy Martin alongside her dad, Andy, for this episode. And it took place at a house in North London. It's fascinating because she signed to a major label at the age of 13. And that's normally a disaster, if we're honest. But you hear about what Andy and Billy's mum did to make sure she retained her sanity and her sound. Two albums later, she's still one of our favourite folk artists in the UK. She is also a massive encyclopedia of sound, which just goes to show how much music was being played in her house growing up. And so without further ado, here is Billy Martin and her dad Andy for the Parental Gardens podcast.
1: So hello, Dad. Have we started? Yeah, well, this is it. Okay. Your name is Andrew Tweddle. Correct. You don't have a middle name. Correct. Why is that? Unloved. Oh, Okay, great. You made me in 1999.
2: Co-made.
1: Co-made, indeed. Yes, I did. Um, First question. How did music enter your life?
2: I was thinking about this on the way to do this interview, and the earliest memory of music I've got is sitting neath the ironing board. What? Whilst whilst your gran was ironing, which was always too something coming out of a massive radiogram. You'll need to Google that yeah. to find out what a radiogram is. And it was either something called the Light Service or the Home Service. It turned into Radio 2 eventually.
1: Not World Service?
2: No, no, because you have to live in the world and that wasn't part of Leicestershire. So you're from, I lived you're from
1: Cosby in Leicester? I'm
2: from a village called Cosby in Leicestershire. And the music that came out of that... The only thing I really remember is a sort of big band number that I think comes from a musical, and it's called 76 Trombones. Right. 76 Trombones in the hit parade and 110 Cornets something-something. So that's the, that's the tune I think I remember earliest, but the radio would have been on at other times as well.
1: Did you like it, or was it just noise?
2: I liked that song.
1: Because cause my grandma, your mum, wasn't really musical, was she?
2: No, she wasn't, no. She preferred speech radio in the end, but when she had a chore to do, when she had a task to do, it was music. We had half, no, we had a dozen albums in the house, so the other music would have been from those.
1: Do you think that's why you iron with your headphones in?
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No. Yes. Do you think? Yeah. I'm genetically disposed to iron with music on because my mum did.
1: And then when I had to do some ironing, I had to put some headphones in.
2: I I think scientists would be anxious to trace down this gene. No, it's just because iron's really tedious, isn't it? Yeah, it
1: is. And you
2: can't do anything else.
1: Yes. I haven't ironed anything this year, actually. Or ever. Yep. Okay. Accurate.
2: Your earliest musical memory?
1: I want to talk about you. Okay. Because my earliest musical memory is you.
2: So you
1: know that one. What about Grandpa Bob?
2: legendarily, no, mythically, he played the accordion, but he never had one, so we never saw it happen.
1: So he just said he, he played the accordion? He,
2: yeah, he announced that he played the accordion. He could have announced anything. He could have been in the SAS. He could have climbed Everest.
1: So he didn't buy you your first guitar? He didn't, we, you didn't go to shows or anything?
2: The, the first guitar in the house came from our cousins in Wales, and it was a, the cheapest of cheap Spanish acoustics, yeah. and it had a, one string, the low E. That's all that was on it.
1: So what did you learn?
2: Wild Thing by the Trogs. That's amazing. Think about it. Amazing. Because I I don't know if Smoke on the Water had been written, but we could could have played that. So we did that. But later on, my elder brother got a guitar for Christmas and they took me to Woolworths and the brand was Audition. And the guitar was £9 and what would now be five pence. And... I played chords on it. So somewhere in that intervening period, a guitar with six strings must have turned up in the house, but I don't remember you it. You don't remember? No.
1: Do you remember ever writing anything? Never. Did you want to write songs? No. But you no. started learning... What was the first band that you started learning? It wasn't a band, or? it
2: was probably Dylan.
1: You're joking? <laughs> We never listened to Dylan,
2: no, I don't like Dylan, but it I was, don't like uh, Dylan it, I, because it was my older brother's guitar, every time he went out because I was a pain of death, do not touch this guitar, yeah, so I picked it up every time he went out, so that's how I learned some chord shapes, and the chord book with a blue cover, I can still picture it was some songs of Bob Dylan, mm. so it was time zero changing was the earliest one, I think mm-hmm. we knew, and the other band around at the time were the seekers.
1: Don't know the Seekers.
2: You wouldn't like the Seekers. The Seekers were from Australia. They sang a singer called Judith Durham, very pure voice, and just very folky. There was a lot of folk about.
1: Yeah. Well, what? So you were born in 1958. Yeah. Which means you were discovering music maths, <laughs> late 60s, in early
2: the 70s. 2020s. No, you learned music early on. If I was, I was aware of the Beatles, and they were around. Let's say big, 63 to 66, and you've 67. And you properly got into them? Yes. You had to be a Stones or Beatles, and we were Beatles, I think.
1: Mm. Well, we agree that the Stones songs are great, but you can listen to them for the first two minutes and then it's a The sing. first two
2: minutes of more or less every Stones song is fantastic. Fantastic. And then it's time to get another one on.
1: Yeah.
2: Because they've done it.
1: Well, that's why the Beatles won, because every song is below three minutes.
2: Uh, not Revolution number 9, but yes. There's more invention in The Beatles, but I don't think The Stones ever set out to be that creative. They were a Hip old-fashioned rhythm and blues in the old-fashioned sense, as opposed yeah. to Beyoncé or whatever now, kind mm. of R&B. Uh, and they didn't try very hard to write much else. A couple of little folky numbers, like Angie.
1: Mm-hmm. Angie.
2: Yeah. That.
1: And, yeah. Excellent impression. Um, thank you. So... Folk was probably stronger for you in your head, as as music, and that. Yes, there why were, were you... there
2: were people you've never heard of. There were there was Peter Paul and Mary, and there was a band who turned up on Saturday nights called the Spinners, who sang the Ink is black, the page is white. Together we will learn to read and write. Was a message mm-hmm. there, for all of us.
1: Yes, for all of us. Uh, there were
2: lots of people with acoustic guitars on television, not necessarily on the radio, but that kind of circle of music was through my older brother that's what I plugged into yeah so all the early stuff was folk and it was all three it was cfg or it was dga or it was very very simple mm. which is why I never go up the neck even now when I play guitar because that's heavy dragons that's scary territory yeah
1: definitely mm. but then focus a lot of experimental tuning and chords that don't make sense
2: I didn't find that out for decades no no
1: that you could tune a guitar differently?
2: Well, you, you don't need to tune... I'm not sure Dylan ever did detune.
1: No. It doesn't no. sound
2: like he did. Uh, and even if he didn't, you could fake it with a plain, ordinary C major. You didn't have to do anything else with it.
1: So the easy way out you took?
2: There was no other way. Mm. Nobody I knew, played the apart from my brother, played the guitar. And he didn't know about alternative tunings, as far as I know. So that's the road you go down.
1: Yeah. I think I only knew about it from... Chris Wood, who's a folk singer that we love. Yep. And uh, John Martin. Yes. And Nick Drake. Yes. And that's way, way down. That's CGCC level,
2: which is... But you have to make a decision to decide to mess with your guitar. So why did you start to do that?
1: Maybe when I got the second one.
2: (laughs) Second one, guitar.
1: Well, I think it's important to have one in standard and one in a stupid tuning that you're never going to be bothered... So They're you're a minimum two
2: guitar person, is that right?
1: I think I've got like nine now. <laughs> but they all have different purposes.
2: Yeah, but when you started, I taught you chords that were fairly plain.
1: You taught So you bought me the pink three-quarter size Yamaha mm-hmm. from a music shop in Ripon, which is where I was born,
2: yes.
1: in North Yorkshire. And you taught me G, the funny chord in the middle, I don't know what it's called still, A minor and C, but the two... The easy version of C. Okay. And then you said, "This is every single Damien Rice song."
2: Yes. Or 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 I figured that out. No, I think I told you. (laughs) I'm I'm just taking the credit. Okay, you Um, told me. And nothing will shift me from this. it's now the truth.
1: I still play things in soundcheck, and they're the five things that you taught me.
2: Okay, what are they?
1: May you never. Yeah. The easy way. Mm Hmm. Um, Thanks for that.
2: Damned with faint praise. Yes. That's all I can do.
1: The Bert Yanch, Angie.
2: The Paul Simon Angie.
1: Bert Yanch. I
2: oh, know. He's, well, he's not responsible. Davey Graham's responsible, and Bert, everybody's covered it. Oh. But the version I learnt is and therefore Paul gave Simon. to you is Paul Simon.
1: Yep, so I still play that. Um, I play bookends every soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And that strange blues chord progression that we both know, which starts on the E. That was
2: a teacher at high school. Yeah, so you had
1: lessons?
2: No, no, not in that kind of formal way. I think we had about six lunchtimes where he turned up with a guitar and some of us took guitars along. So I'd have been between 12 and 14, I suppose. Hmm. And he taught me two things, one in C, which I can't play anymore, and that E thing, which was just a, a simple blues. Yeah, which I've
1: never forgotten.
2: But it's syncopated syncopated and that's tricky
1: yeah and i guess that was it that was the collection
2: but i used to play to you at bath time do you know why yeah
1: because
2: having to lifeguard a kid who's in the bath is really boring
1: (laughs) i love bath time though
2: well great and what do we sing there
1: someone asked me the best memory of of my parents the other day on another podcast and i said bath time you came in with the guitar, and we sang old nursery rhymes, and we sang My Grandfather's Clock. Which goes? Which goes, My grandfather's clock was too large for the shelf, so he stood 20 years on the floor.
2: I've going to stop you there, because it's 90.
1: 90 years on the floor. Yeah. And it stopped, short, never to go again, when the old man... Died, which is really sad. One of the
2: classics. Well, you've got to introduce kids to the facts of life really early.
1: Well, that's why you gave me cautionary tales.
2: Yeah, possibly.
1: They're horrendous.
2: Not to read in the bath, though.
1: What else did we do in the bath? I think we did
2: in my generation.
1: We did my generation. People <laughs> try to put us down, and then you'd play... And you'd give me the next lyric and I'd sing it and then you'd yeah. play again. Yeah. And then you did the harmony. Talking about my generation. Yes. And we used to fade out. And that's when bath time was over.
2: Yeah, and wait for applause. We did. Well, luckily there was no applause because that would have been weird. Never came. But this is part of the, the way to raise kids. According to the book, I'm never going to write, but this is a fact. Don't let kids listen entirely to kids' music because it so spoils true. it. So true. So don't let them have control of your car CD player or your MP3 or whatever. Mm. So I right, one for you and ten for the grown-ups. That's the ratio.
1: Which is why the first music I probably remember hearing is, is Hunky Dory. Yeah. And we had a lot of car journeys. Because when you're in England, you drive a lot for summer. You don't go anywhere else. Correct. And we did Cornwall and a lot of Whitby, a lot of the coast stuff.
2: Cornwall is Beach Boys.
1: And The Streets.
2: Streets, yeah. Dry Your Eyes, mate.
1: Big mix of stuff.
2: With a swear word?
1: With a swear word. Two swear words. I'm not going to... Are we allowed to swear? I'm not going to do it because it's no, offensive. No, not do it. Um, but you used to turn it down really quick on the radio and mum used to make a noise. Oh,
2: well, I, I did and then I just got fed up of it. So I said, like, kids, there's a swearing here. Yeah. Your brother said um, to one song, I think it was in Ilanis Morissette, something off Jagged Little Pill, uh-huh. which has an F in it. And more stuff, but it was the F that was particularly sensitive. Yeah. And as it was coming up, a voice from the back of the car just said, I'm not allowed to listen to this.
1: See, I was so well trained. <laughs> so turn it down. Well, I remember on the Damien Rice album, uh, the song Rootless Tree. Yes. Where the verse is, is so normal and it just sounds like any other Damien Rice song. And then the chorus is like, Fuck you." Yeah. Uh, uh, and I remember the anxiety before that came yeah. because I needed mum to turn it down. Yeah. I didn't know why, because I didn't know what it was.
2: I had the same idea. We, we didn't drive in my family, but um, Quadrophenia. Yeah. Though, there's a track on that, and it's um, it says, your, your fella's going to kill me, oh, fucking will he? Mm. And I always had to be alert for that if they were in the house, because it was a tiny house. Uh, and there would have been consequences Definitely. if they'd heard that.
1: It's good to be exposed, though. Early.
2: To, to swearing? A little bit. Has it made you the foul-mouthed harridan you are now? Yes. <laughs> well, there you go. I, don't, I choose not bad. to
1: swear in songs because I think um, you really want to sometimes, but then you have to think of all the times in later life you're going to have to play that song again and again. Yeah. And you won't feel like that. Yeah. And I don't think I want to swear at people in gigs, even though it's not directly to them. I think it's still kind of... It doesn't really fit the brand. I'm not others. really a
2: fan of the theory that says if you swear, you've got a poor vocabulary.
1: No, because m and m- I
2: am dead good words <laughs> with. Um, sometimes nothing else will do. But if you sing singing a song, there's loads of other stuff that will do that job.
1: Yeah, just I, sing it louder.
2: Apart from what's the, what's the most effective swear? You see, Rap, if there's lots of it, if there's lots of MF all over the shop, what does that gain you? It just becomes a noise after a while. It's just repetition. I know. Martha Wainwright.
1: Oh. Bloody motherfucking asshole. Yes. Our favourite song. Yeah. So that is about her dad. Yes. Which I only realised a couple of months ago. I thought it was about a boyfriend. No. And that whole meaning has just turned on its head.
2: Are you still finding out then what songs mean? Are you not? I don't go I don't look for meaning. I'm not a big lyrics fan. Okay, I'm so a noise this is yeah.
1: Fan. So so when I started writing songs, it was because you played guitar and my older brother Max played guitar and you were playing together and I wanted to join in. Yeah. But when I started writing lyrics and stuff, that probably started because of mum and she was writing poems. Yes. And I was big into English and reading. Yeah. Which meant that I would write poems or stories in English class and then come back and put music to it. So I don't think I ever started just with, just with guitar, just writing melodies. Which is maybe why I didn't want to get into a band because it was because um, you have to be sort of self reliant, and it was it was like a um, an introverted thing. It wasn't kind of look at me, I'm a superstar. Let's put no, a mic you, in front. No,
2: of... You were never like that, I must say.
1: Everyone has that childhood video, don't they, of getting up at Christmas with a mic as a three year old or something like that. Yeah. And I don't think, don't think I ever did that.
2: And what do you do now? Do you, do you have do you have a riff? Do you have a lyric? Do you have a bit of a lyric? What do you have?
1: It sort of, um, it swaps between nice, pretty guitar melodies, which I do love because that's the folk influence, and more sort of um, of stream-of-consciousness speech-type thing that I write down more regularly now as I'm out and about, not just sitting down to write.
2: You have a book, don't you? The Book of Secret Things.
1: I do have a book of secret things. What goes in there? Usually the same words. Uh Wow. I've made a pact not to put the words... Sea, water, there's another one another one in the next album because it's just been mentioned so many times.
2: Does it say never rhyme love with above? Yes. And never say call you on the telephone because what else are you going to call me on? A megaphone. True. And let's do a list.
1: Well, yeah, we have that thing of... of we like language, don't we? Yes. <laughs> do you want to give me some more language there? or? No. OK.
2: See the uh, beauty of language there? Just simple.
1: Yes, brilliant. Um, but it does make me think about words a lot, and I can't do the whole, I love you, you love me. I think even when I started writing songs at age nine, they were still quite dark.
2: They weren't about pixies and no. unicorns, that's for sure.
1: There's a lot going on in that small well, you, brain. If
2: you had a brand, it would have been my little tubercular pony. Tubercular pony! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because pretty, but, you know, doomed to die. Yeah. I think That was, that was always going to happen. Consumption. Yes. You didn't get that from us.
1: No, I, I don't think that's think. just, I think...
2: It's your diseased brain.
1: Yeah. So it's indifference, maybe.
2: Well, it can't be indifference if it's tragic, can it?
1: Um, Oh, I don't know.
2: Tune in next week for Philosophy Two. (laughs) I don't think you're indifferent. I think it comes from feeling and emotion, doesn't
1: it? I think so, which which I like, because you have something to do with it. You have somewhere to put it.
2: Yeah. But it's not all you, is it? You're at pains to say. Huh? Not every song is autobiographical.
1: No, and I'm getting better at talking about other people, which is more refreshing.
2: Who's your favourite lyricist? Crikey. What's your favourite line?
1: I like a lot of the Simon and Garfunkel stuff. Mm. I like um, April comes She Will. I think it's really, really clever. I like natural imagery. That's why I like Nick Drake, because he, his language is really simple, and it's pinks and blues and those things that do good things in your head. Yeah. But he's also saying something really profound at the same time. That's maybe why I like a lot of that sort of um, literature, that sort of writing. Yes, because you're a big kind literature fan, are you? Victorianism type stuff. You're a bookist. Yes, so you don't like literature, you like crime novels.
2: Yes, murder.
1: But you've also read all of the books anyway. So when I mention a book that I'm reading, you know what it is and you've read it.
2: Yes, until recently. I stopped doing literature when I left Polly, because that was the end of education. I thought, I don't have to analyse anymore. I can just let books wash, wash over me, yeah. which is great. That's what I do, but you don't.
1: I don't like a book that washes over me. No. I don't have a very good memory. People go, what's a good line in that book or what happened there? I just know that I really liked like, it. Did not like. I always underline the sentences I like. So and do they, they go
2: into the book of secret things?
1: Yeah, sometimes.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Well, someone asked me today, actually. They were listening to the first EP, which has um, a song called Roots on it. And one of the lines is, Heaven knows I could find my place to be. And they asked me if that was a reference to Nick Drake, and it was. Uh-huh. So people are getting that as well, because I can't be the only one. There. Good.
2: So all you've done is copy Nick Drake. That's right. <laughs> I put it to you. It's all plagiarism. <laughs>
1: um, so, yes, music. Mm-hmm. We... You took me to my first gigs. We didn't really decide that um, I was going to be a musician, though, did we? It wasn't...
2: Well, we can't decide you're going to be a musician. No, sorry,
1: I didn't go. I'm going to be a singer.
2: No, we gave you... We organised piano lessons.
1: With a friend of a friend. With a
2: friend of a friend, who was a very good pianist and encouraged you. But that was never... You never took a grade.
1: No, I remember the conversation. I remember it after school. Tom said. Tom Sissons, our um, family friend, said she can do grades and I remember saying no because what I was doing with Tom was picking a song and then we just learned to do it. So I learned Cornflake Girl, Tori Amos. Yes, you did. And started learning everything in its right place but never finished that one. So it was kind of, it was um, it was like playtime and I think if I put something regimented into that, put it with music, it would ruin it.
2: I'm sure that's true for you.
1: And I never got music theory anyway, which is why I got a B in music GCSE.
2: Well, that's still quite a good fake to get a B, isn't it?
1: They went to see a gig as part of my. Do you they remember? didn't believe
2: you wrote any songs. They didn't believe I they wrote needed, a song. They needed proof that I hadn't written it. Or your mum hadn't written it.
1: Yes, it was a parents' evening. you thing. know what is
2: very wise because the first song you pretended to have written was <laughs> by Miley oh Cyrus, wasn't it? <laughs> gonna... wasn't it? I knew you were going. Wasn't it?
1: I knew you were going to mention that.
2: Hey, Mum. Hey, Dad. Just written this cool number. You said?
1: In my defence, I wrote the lyrics.
2: You wrote some of the lyrics.
1: I said, I miss your face. Yeah. I adapted it. Yeah. Like a play.
2: So the next one you played, you, you made up. We just wanted to know who'd written Who it. Who did it. And you'd copied it.
1: I remember, sorry, we live next to a few dogs. Um, That's
2: the dog of truth, the hound of truth.
1: Yes, he knows. Yeah. <laughs> Mum sat me down and said, look. Don't lie to me.
2: Exactly, because what's lying, Billy?
1: A sin. It's bad. 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 Um, did you write this song? Yeah. I went, yes, I promise. And I did. Do you know why?
2: Because it sounded like a song. It didn't sound like a small child had written a song. It sounded like a song that existed.
1: Well, the only reason I think... So everything started really young, which doesn't look good when you think about the ages. So I was on YouTube from eight. Mm. I mean, probably a hundred views on each video, yep. and that was all family. Yep. Then, age twelve was the on-sofa music channel video, which was professionally done, which was still a family decision. Yep. Um, but that's twelve years old, hmm. and that's like an original song and a cover. But you would have told me if that song was was really bad.
2: We'd never have encouraged you had you been abysmal.
1: Because you're not bad parents, but you you. I just can't
2: lie that well and for that long and to your face. So if you weren't any good, you'd have found out. Yeah. We'd have found a way... From the public. to, to, (laughs) To guide you into crochet or nuclear physics.
1: Yeah, that's not going to be me, is
2: it? No, that was a loss to the world of crochet. Mm,
1: yes. about uh, the physics?
2: But, uh, <laughs> I don't think that was ever going to happen, was it? No. Uh, you were very good. They were good songs, they were hooky songs from all that time back, which is remarkable.
1: But you kind of helped me to, to be better, not in a pushy um, dance mum's way, but in a way that was kind of made me more accessible to humans that weren't kids. So you'd say, stop singing through your nose.
2: Yes. I... When are you going to do that? How dare you? Oh, you went there.
1: How dare you? <laughs> Two albums in and you say this now. <laughs> no, but you'd say little things like that or play guitar a bit better that way or something yes. like that. Yeah.
2: I'll tell you what it was. We, we, your mum and I talked about it. If you had been a keen swimmer... Hmm. And lots of parents do this. We'd have been up at five o'clock on a Saturday morning or every morning to take you to the baths and all that. And so if if you were heading in a direction, as long as that was enjoyable for you and you were making some progress, we'd support it. Most parents that happens to is with sport.
1: Yeah. And we lived in a, and so I went to a school in the Dales, which was very small, but their main thing was sport or engineering. Yeah. And there was no room for music or creative well, there was arts. Well, there
2: was there was grade nine, triangle and flute.
1: Yes, there was classical. Yeah, and I didn't want to be a sporty person, but that's okay. But if but music is also a family thing anyway. It's not like I picked something out of the blue. No, you didn't. Like horse riding.
2: That was lucky for us that we had some familiarity with how it. Should,
1: yeah, you had experience
2: with how it should sound, which sounds very grandiose of us, but no, we knew that's why we knew you were good.
1: We're lucky that we like music so much. Yes, we are. But we're also thankful that there is so much that, that we like. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Um, so we started going to local gigs. You'd drive me, I'd borrow Uncle Mark's guitars and sound equipment. Yep. Uh, the first gig was on Rip and Bandstand, wasn't it?
2: Rip and Racecourse Bandstand. Yep. Yep. Uh,
1: what was it? A fair?
2: It was some kind of food festival, possibly. Classic Yorkshire. And as they say in those parts, it sailed down. It did sail down. Biblical rain.
1: It was awful, and it was you and the ice cream van man.
2: Yep. He liked you. He did. Didn't get a free ice cream, mind.
1: Bastard. Yeah. Then what
2: happened? There was a wine bar that you played at. Otley Corks. Corks of Otley for fine wine and good music.
1: It was called Old End for Nine.
2: Yes, the night was called All Done For Nine, which is a great idea. So nine Shared o'clock, bill. plugs come out and that's that, and lots of artists.
1: Which meant that I could do it and still do school the next day. Yeah. But you always drove me. It wasn't kind of like, oh, I've got a gig on Thursday, can you take me? No. It was all... Um,
2: well, that's part of the... You know, that's the We deal. were a
1: team, weren't we? Yeah. And even by then, it wasn't... Um, I still thought it was just fun and game sort of hobby type thing.
2: Well, it was, wasn't it? When did you think... Were you already a year signed before you thought, ooh, I could probably do this for a living or something?
1: I think I've only just thought that now. (laughs) I think I'm nearly there. Yeah. Because it's comfortable, but it's uncomfortable. And it's kind of like a... It's a seesaw all the time, and...
2: Between what and what? What, How does discomfort make itself felt?
1: Um, Because I guess it's not my natural... Music is my natural way of being, but public music... And being confident and comfortable with oneself is more of a challenge for me. So there's th- there's two sides of it. Like I'll always make music, but whether I want to do that on a public basis and tour for the rest of my life is a different question. But I don't think I, I don't need to decide that. You know, I could do this forever, or I could do it for another five years, or it doesn't matter.
2: You can't really see an end, can you? No. You, you can't decide to stop writing because no. it'll just. Come into your head
1: Yeah I don't think that will ever stop happening
2: no. Um,
1: well, Let's go back again We started getting Phone calls from London Didn't we After that YouTube video
2: It's lost in the mist of time now Someone saw something from YouTube And said something to someone And they said someone should ring and someone did
1: It's power of the internet really
2: Yes Yes
1: and we would meet them in fancy hotels and restaurants after school again. <laughs> I just didn't really know why well, I was there. We went lunchtime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't know what was going on. People would start giving you CDs and talking about...
2: Why didn't you ask us?
1: Because, um, believe me, we told you. No, I know you did, but things just sort of go over your head, don't they?
2: I don't know. I can't remember, it was a long time ago. Well, when
1: someone explains the whole concept of a record label to you at 13, Hmm. you can say it eight times and you still won't know what the language means. No,
2: I suppose that's fair. But you knew there could be a CD and it would be your CD and you would be on it and you would write.
1: Yeah, which is the bit I was interested in. Yeah, So fair enough. Yeah, so we started recording with my old friend, Jason O'Dell, who still plays in the band with me now yeah. and records with me, um, we took a few years. I keep saying we. I took a few years to become a human. Stayed in school, finished GCSE as and A level.
2: What do you mean, become a human?
1: We didn't upsticks, move to London, and start a music career at thirteen.
2: No, but what do you mean by become a human? To develop, because I, I was
1: a child, child brain. Okay. Who knows what they're talking about? Thirteen. Or now. Or now. <laughs> I don't. No. Um,
2: so that was quiet time, but productive.
1: I wrote a lot then. Yeah, you did. I was really distracted.
2: But this is what... Every first album's got every song you've ever written. Is that not the case?
1: Bar one or two. Yeah. Um, yeah, and some of those were first five songs I ever wrote, things like Unaware, mm-hmm. which was a tuning I made up. E A B B E. E A B. E A B. Um And much later stuff, which was just before the record came out, aged 15, 16. Yeah. So that's quite a big range. Of time. Of time. Yeah. And learning how to play guitar.
2: Yes.
1: Years of experience just weren't there at all.
2: No, but you you were... That's the best thing I've ever done for you. You're left-handed and I refuse to let you get a left-handed guitar. That's the the best best thing thing. I've ever done. Yep. Well done. Why? Because you can walk into any room with a guitar in it and play it. And if you're a lefty... You can't. You're bothered. You'd have to walk into a lot of rooms before you (laughs) find one. Yeah,
1: that's good.
2: I don't think, genuinely, I don't think that you can tell on the first album which song was the first song and which song was the most recent song. Really? I don't think there's... If I say there's no progress, I don't mean that in a bad way. I think the first songs you started to write... Mm. Apart from the first one about drinking champagne. What? Come with me to the sea. Oh
1: Remember? my God! How old is
2: I? You can bring your guitar. Eight. Come with me to, to the, the sea. sea. Where is it? It's not. It's slowly. not very far.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think the songs you've written since then already came. They came out mature and finished. I think. No, I don't no, know. no producer has shaped a song. Would that be fair?
1: Yeah. It's always been like a core of just. Tracking it live, singing it with the guitar, and then we add stuff around it.
2: Yeah, so you go in ready. Yes. Really? And then yeah. the noises off are added. But the song's there. No mm. one no one says, Can you come up with a quick extra middle eight or another verse chorus? It's it's already there.
1: Yeah. That's well great, I don't I so many musicians write all the time and write hundreds and hundreds of songs so they can get the ten that they really love. Mm. But I don't know how you have the willpower or interest to finish a song you know is not very good.
2: How many unfinished have you got?
1: At the moment, I wrote them down yesterday, but I'm gonna—they're all gonna go on the album.
2: Mm. Album three.
1: Yes, maybe six, but they're all kind of verse, chorus. They just need lyrics, or they just need something.
2: And would you know how many songs you've just binned, or do they all get somewhere?
1: They all kind of get somewhere.
2: Is that, That's great, isn't it? I don't know. Well, that's hours of your life, not wasted.
1: I think maybe I'm just being lazy. Maybe you are. Well, I think that's kind of in my...
2: That's the way you work.
1: Yeah, a little bit. Um, I signed to a division of a major label... Yes, you did. ...in 2015, mm-hmm. the day before my maths GCSE. Yes. And I took my revision and we all you got to You still celebrate
2: that maths GCSE day. I got an A. yeah.
1: Star maybe. Yeah. I remember doing really well in maths.
2: What don't G GCSEs do? Count. Correct.
1: But you even told me that and I still revised a lot more than I did I'm for the Oh, I'm not a saying levels. don't try. I know. I think The you day were... after
2: you get your G C S E results, everybody tells you, Right, they were worth nothing. Adjust your whole working Carry method. On. It's A levels now.
1: You're always um very comforting in the fact that you weren't both of you weren't pushy on academics and you know, weren't worried or making me get tutors if I was missing school or not getting straight A's. No. I knew that there was a lot more out there that I was interested in that wasn't down to getting three A levels and going to uni.
2: No, but you did get three A levels.
1: I did get three A levels. One of them was art. Does that count?
2: Yes. It's sociology that doesn't count.
1: How did it feel for you both... When? your daughter was signed to a major label at 15?
2: we expected it to happen we didn't expect it to happen that quickly we were very excited we were very frightened because it's not a business we know anything about and it's full of absolute shower of bastards (laughs) from one end to the other we haven't met many but we just know that's what it's like. It's a horrible... It can be a horrible It can horrible be a business. horrible experience. So the big thing for us was protection. So uh, your mum, who nearly became a legal secretary by the amount of stuff <laughs> she read through and badgered our law Hours of contracts. ...for questions and questions and questions and changes. Everything we could do to keep the power, the decisions with you, was, we thought, the best way to stop bad things happening. Mm. And that was as much as we could do. We made sure that um they paid for first class travel because young girls more. Yeah, I was totally on way. my own
1: and getting late trains back and yeah, you know.
2: There, were, there was legal requirements in the early days for chaperones at all times. Yeah. So that had to be fulfilled. So and you'd made sure wait outside
1: come. while I was recording yep, in the studio for hours.
2: Yeah, but that's the deal. Um, you know so
1: many so many parents just would not have done that.
2: Oh, uh, no, you're right. Yeah. I am the best. Yeah, yes. By far.
1: Okay, rein it in. Um, but it was okay because I think we knew in our guts that nothing seriously bad was going to happen. And also I don't have the interest, I don't have the desire to to get into that mainstream world of, of limelight, of, of no, fame of course, or anything um, like that. No,
2: X Factor and Britain's Got Talent both came knocking they that did right? didn't they yeah
1: Who was how was the voice
2: the voice was it
1: i think it was all three anyway how bad's that so they'd ring they rang school once yes they after did after seeing the, the youtube video Prince yeah. has got talent mm. and rang the school secretary and said can i speak to billy yeah and they said no yeah you can't just ring up a student and
2: well, it makes me think that the Production team on those shows is composed of sixteen-year-olds who don't themselves know what they're doing. Because why would you? Do
1: that? Totally, that's insane. Yeah. But they did that specifically so they would avoid you two. Yes. Because you wouldn't ring a family home.
2: Unluckily for them, we. I'm sure we talked about it, but we would know instinctively that that would never be what you would do.
1: No, it was hideous.
2: Yeah. Because that was you could have been, fourteen-year-old famous for five minutes. You wouldn't even make it to fifteen like Andy Warhol. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then you'd be washed out by Christmas.
1: And I nearly went on Songs of Praise. Yes. That was a good sized
2: step. We declined that for you on religious grounds. Indeed. That you didn't have any. You were called by Ellen DeGeneres, the show in America. What? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I did not know that. Yes. When? <laughs> when was this? To be the the child star segment.
2: There you go, which we didn't know about.
1: I didn't, I didn't know what Ellen DeGeneres no, we had, was. No, we had
2: two emails and one call, and then they never called back. Rude. Nothing to do with me, I promise you. Thank you. For... But that would have been exciting. But again, another flash-in-the-pan thing, and I think it's great when careers happen really fast to really good people, mm. but if you want to do this for a living, you've got to, take, you've got to be hard-working and talented and really lucky. Yeah. Do you think?
1: And it wasn't a performance thing. Was it? What wasn't? The music, it wasn't...
2: Oh, you weren't putting it on, do you mean? No,
1: no. and I wasn't made to sing in front of people. That wasn't the, the part that I liked.
2: No, that's another thing we would have stopped.
1: Yeah. I, I think
2: we probably encourage you to do more gigs than you wanted to do.
1: I think that's true, but they were all good ones, you good know, local ones.
2: Like the way we used to beat you till you bled. That yes. was just for your own good.
1: Good memories.
2: Yeah. Um, How are you getting on with performing? Why don't you look at the crowd, Billy?
1: Much better. Billy,
2: why don't you look at the crowd?
1: I do look at the crowd. No, you don't. It's usually full of relatives, so I can't.
2: You look at the top left corner of the room.
1: That's very accurate. That's my safe space.
2: <laughs> why? Why do you do that?
1: Because you get tunnel vision and you have to ignore everyone but welcome them. You have to seem warm but you have to seem mysterious and aloof. There's so many things that you. How do I do that on a podcast?
2: Do, air quotes. I'm doing air quotes, is what you say? I'm doing air Billie quotes. Billy is now doing air quotes.
1: B. End um, air quotes. End air quotes, which means that I just sort of retreat over there. And I'm concentrating on singing.
2: How much do you blame Laura Marling for this? Bitch.
1: <laughs> well, I remember seeing her. She was one of the first gigs I ever saw hmm. in... It wasn't York Minster. And we like Laura. We do like Laura. A lot. Uh, I remember when Spotify became a thing, she was the first thing we listened to on there.
2: Hmm.
1: And the death of the CD commenced.
2: Yeah. But she wasn't really... Um, she doesn't come on with a bag full of one-liners and <laughs> take the crowd by the throat and cheer them all up with a yee and a ha, does she?
1: No, I don't do that. I know, oh,
2: that's why I'm asking. Do you think you were She was that?
1: the only girl I saw, because I, I saw a lot of male guitarists first, Loudon Wainwright, Chris Wood looking at John Martin videos and Mm -hmm. Nick Drake, watching old Top of the Pop videos, it was all dudes with guitars. So she was the first one I saw in the flesh, and I could see how similar I was in the fact that we were both um, kind of folky-influenced playing guitar female musicians. Mm. So she was my only point of reference for how to be on stage. Because I wasn't going to do a Kate Bush, was I? I That's a commitment. So you can either do that and become, you can have a stage... Persona, and you can do Ziggy Stardust, or you can be unashamedly you, but for me that's quite an awkward, shy, very confused person. But then when I start talking in gigs, it turns into a comedy routine because I don't know what else to do.
2: You do get a laugh, I've heard it. A laugh? Yes.
1: Well, because the music is really honest and and it's um, it's quite an uncomfortable process for an hour.
2: Mm. There was a tricky bit at a gig you played the other night where you... Uh, there'd been audience banter uh, and everything was all jolly and then you say right well this next song is really sad so I wish I hadn't done that but here we go anyway
1: what do I do with that how do you you know turn people around
2: I think you just it's like um,
1: I chose a bad one. the one show
2: you know well that was one of the world's worst famines and now here's a rabbit in a box driving a car (laughs) you've got to treat it like that as well
1: yeah I just think it's a really hard thing and you don't get that fear if you're just looking at a gig. You just don't get it. It's the whole process, especially when you've got things like in-ears because you're not in real life, you're totally cut off. One of your senses is gone Mm. and all it has has been replaced by you and the band.
2: There's a thing, you alone or you with a band, vote now. Band. Why?
1: Because you can play the music the way you think it's supposed to be heard.
2: So the audience get a better
1: More idea of what it is, yeah. A
2: better idea of the song as yeah. a band. Yeah. But you can do it solo.
1: Yeah, and I used to do it. There's nothing new that you
2: can't do by yourself.
1: I can't do Betsy because it's just two notes on the guitar and then I filled it in I did some overdubs for the chorus, so Okay. That's about it though. I just think it'd be quite it'd be too linear.
2: How do you shape a gig when it comes to song by song? Or do you?
1: I guess we start with more of a drum led sequence, first four songs. Mm. More to do with that, definitely more grooved. And then dip into the um the older stuff, which is more floaty, slower tempo, yeah. very light drums, that sort of world. Then we go for things like Vanilla Baby, which is the one I just shouldn't speak before, I should just go straight in. Because that's, that's basically thing. solo apart from yes. two notes on the bass. Three you switch, notes from you switch
2: from electric and play acoustic then?
1: Yes. Right. And I do really like playing acoustic, but um, at the time of recording and writing those demos, they were all on electric.
2: Have you taken up the plectrum?
1: Yes, I have. Well done. Thank How you. many
2: years have I been telling you to take up the plectrum?
1: A lot of years.
2: A lot of years.
1: And I've still um, not found the capo in this house. I'm still living without one.
2: OK, just for the record, that's three owe me, because you've stolen them, and one for yourself. Uh, what musicians, uh, what did they play in the band you just toured with? So you said drummer.
1: Oh, so we have drums, bass, and um, noises, basically. Synth stuff, keyboard, lead. Keys. Another electric.
2: And if money and all the rest of it are loud, would you Porns. have more musicians?
1: Yes. All would of them.
2: You, all of them? All of them. The LSO?
1: Yes. Well, because there's so many different noises on all the records that are done with kind of... Um, who's that band that does a tiny desk? One of them blows bubbles in a jar. No idea. organism. Okay. They are a team of maybe 12 or 13, but they all just play very specific homemade instruments. They play bubbles in a jar. But if you ripped apart all the stems of each recording, they would have things like that, so... That would be perfect in a perfect world. Strings would come back, definitely. What about
2: squealing lead guitar with a foot on the wah-wah pedal?
1: Absolutely not. No. I saw that in a, in a jazz night in Glasgow the other night. Really? was terrible.
2: Did you feel a little bit ill?
1: Put away the wah-wah. Yes. Put it away.
2: Yes. The wah-wah averse.
1: Yes. Um, but we have seen a fair few gigs together, haven't we?
2: I've probably seen more gigs of you than we've been to gigs. Recently? I think. In this... I was your roadie.
1: You were my roadie. Yeah. So we did tours and make sure that we were more northern-based so we could drive to them. mm mm-hmm. Um Everyone thought you were my TM, obviously. Yes. And you'd introduce and go, I'm Billy's dad. Yes. And you'd carry guitars and drive me, and I'd fall asleep in the car, and it's all very nice.
2: And what was the chocolate of choice?
1: Bounties. The bounty! Yep.
2: And when we discovered the triple
1: bounty. Triple bounty. I think I always had the third one.
2: Yeah, great days. (laughs) Not wanted on voyage now, because you've gone all professional. Uh,
1: No dairy. Um, But that was really nice. Did you like that? Did you like being a roadie? Yes. Do you like gig culture? Uh,
2: As everybody says, the waiting around from a ludicrously early sound check is soul-deadening. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was nice. It, it, was, it was the kind of support that you can do with a physical act because you can be miles away and say, How's the gig? And you go, fine, or not fine. And that's as much information as we get. So to be there and know it was fine, because whatever you say, they're all fine, because mm. I find out from other people. You to, can confirm. to be there and witness was, is good, and it shows me that you are as comfortable as you get when you're on stage, and I like that.
1: And you can... Um Relay back to mum to stop her hideous <laughs> yes. anxiety about. Worried
2: of the North, yes, because she's she, not allowed at gigs.
1: She's not allowed at my gigs. No. Which is sad because she doesn't see the best ones.
2: No, she doesn't. But the years it would take off her life if she saw every gig through fear and nerves and right. angst.
1: I used to get that. Mm. But I still do sometimes. It totally depends on what, this, what the gig is.
2: What's a good setup for a gig? What's a good day before a gig?
1: Usually a gig so you're not thinking about it Okay. I used to wake up and know that I had to do a gig that day and just fret and feel worse and worse and worse until the moment whereas now it's really good to just be occupied and go about life as normal Hmm. do you know household tasks and then go and do it.
2: The baking.
1: The baking which is an honest form of therapy it's the only thing that keeps my mind
2: I agree and often delicious Thank you. And often,
1: suspect. not good, not good. You're the only one that sees the bad bakes.
2: Yes, that's true.
1: I don't get baking from you.
2: Again, I don't think there's a gene for well, quite often a sponge cake. Okay, gene. so
1: when kids start baking, it's because their mum's a baker. Yeah. Or
2: are you saying she's a bad mother? Terrible. Mother. Is that what you're saying?
1: Love you, mum. Love you. Um, yeah. Certain traits you pick up, certain traits you don't. Like I'm not. I'm interested in the piano because of mum, but the guitar was more comfortable.
2: You've written on the piano, though.
1: Yes, I have. And I'll probably go back to it again. Mm. But she was kind of born into the classical reading music world.
2: She can read music but can't pick out a tune. Yeah. And we can pick out a Tip tune.
1: by ear, but, but not. No. I remember you writing out the, how to transpose.
2: Yes. Have you learnt that ever? No. Do you know how many times I did that? <laughs> One million
1: I know, I just used ultimateguitar.com and it did it for me.
2: Well, again, not wanted on Voyage. Thanks, technology, for breaking the link between me my and brain my just daughter.
1: My can't do it. I can't do it.
2: Well, there is no need, is there?
1: No. What's the thing about John Lennon? Uh,
2: wore round glasses. Middle <laughs> name was Winston. Which thing?
1: <laughs> he can't read music.
2: Couldn't read music. McCartney, do you mean? All of them. Okay. Is it all of them? I don't know.
1: I'm pretty sure McCartney reads music.
2: No, no, he doesn't because he's written oratorios and so on for Liverpool Symphony Orchestra.
1: Mm. What else were we listening to then? Important stuff. The Stevie Johnson's.
2: I, what What do you and I not agree on?
1: King Crimson. King
2: Crimson. Hideous
1: Band. Noise. That's not true. I think. Well, also nobody I know talks about King Crimson, and there's a reason for that. They talk about Pink Floyd, and they talk about the Who, and we talk about the Beatles.
2: Well, there you go. You and I share some Floyd, the Beatles, some Who, mm-hmm. some Zeppelin. Yeah, John Martin was common. Loud and Wainwright, the third, the third was common.
1: I think John Martin's probably the, the most important person
2: for for all of us. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's the only time I've seen you cry, when he died.
2: It was a bad day.
1: It was a hideous day. But I didn't realise how important he was to you, which made me feel instantly like I needed him in my life. (laughs) Sorry about that. Well, it was a big thing.
2: Yes, it was, and you don't realise, the other thing that affected me was John Peel's death. Yeah. Even though there was a time for probably two years when I listened to him, and 99% of what he played was awful. I was still very effective because he shouldn't have been dead. And
1: you feel robbed, don't you?
2: Sort of. It's a weird sensation. And John Martin, you thought of, you know, if he was 70, you'd kind of expect it, but he wasn't. He wasn't well. He was he wasn't not a so well nice man. man. He was not a good man. These days it's getting harder and harder... To be allowed to take the man out of the, or the woman out of the music and just have the music.
1: Because music is so much less um, anonymous. It is a personality and the music they make first.
2: Yes, you may be right, they're more inextricably linked. But if. um,
1: You could have just, you can't just put a record out on vinyl now, put it in the record shops and people would have to discover who you were. You have to. That's true. Rise from this kind of. Well rounded, functional human being persona who then plays music.
2: And everybody knows who you are. And
1: everyone knows who you are and what you look like.
2: This is, we talked about this when you decided to change, to to have a stage name.
1: Yeah, that was a big day. Yeah. Because no one could say or spell my last name. No, they couldn't. Did that break your heart? No. You didn't care? Not at all.
2: No, but I do remember saying to you that everybody would find out what your name is.
1: Well, it's so true because every interview or Wikipedia begins with Billy Martin, a.k.a.
2: Yeah, it's the same as, uh, who did we used to talk about? Jonah's policewoman. Yeah. Or Bat for Lashes. Oh, um... Natasha?
1: Natasha Khan, yeah.
2: Yeah, they always say it.
1: It's so true.
2: Are you still happy with the name? Do you wish you picked another one?
1: Sometimes, but then I think, you know, it's the same as, do you wish you hindsight? you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda.
2: Do we care nothing for hindsight?
1: We care nothing for hindsight. Because I it's remember unhealthy. That, looking back. The wisdom coming from both of us right now.
2: If <laughs> <laughs> you could bottle this, you'd have uh, a bottle of it. Pure. Yeah.
1: Um
2: Which bands do you hate?
1: No, I was gonna say that t- don't this shouldn't make you sad, but I already have your funeral song.
2: Oh great. <laughs> what is it?
1: I'm not gonna tell you. But you'll know what it is. I you'll have be... my funeral song. Do you? Yeah. Can you tell me that so I can
2: It's Dido's Lament.
1: Oh I knew that. I didn't no, know that. You didn't. You've said that before.
2: Yeah. It's Remember Me, But Forget My Fate.
1: That's quite nice.
2: Which I once heard in Ripon Cathedral, accompanied by 30 cellos. That stays with you. Gorgeous. Mm.
1: You see, we like classical music.
2: We like some... I like classical music. It's been on the adverts. I can't... (laughs) I've got no in-depth knowledge of anything. Opera's weird.
1: You hate jazz. I'm quite into jazz.
2: I hate some kind of jazz, but I've been forced to confess in recent years that a lot of King Crimson is jazz.
1: There you are. So you've contradicted yourself. But it's King Crimson, yourself. so it's okay. Okay. Um, it is a John Martin song, but I'm not going to tell you which one. Okay. But that's how important it is. it Singing is. in the Rain?
2: Because he covered that.
1: <laughs> yes, he did. No, it's not that one. Okay. Um.
2: You don't like metal?
1: I hate metal.
2: What is it about metal?
1: It's never in the house. True. This is the same as Bob you Dylan. You can go and find it. I think Bob Dylan's... A liar? I don't know. Oh, God, I'm going to offend so many people. Well,
2: it's only Dylan. He doesn't care.
1: Exactly. He doesn't care about anyone.
2: No. I, I would think... like Bob Dylan more if I was more of a lyrics fan, because that's especially in later years, I think, where the magic lies but for why those who like it.
1: Are you attracted to Joni Mitchell? The
2: His noise. It's not, it's not the lyrics, it's the noise.
1: I would say her lyrics are the most prominent thing Mm, depends which album, to be fair. OK, Blue. Mm-hmm. That's all heart and soul, that's poetry.
2: As well as tunes.
1: But you don't, you couldn't name a lyric, you could...
2: Oh, I could now, I've heard it so many times. I could name you, I could go through loads of Beatles lyrics, because I've heard this stuff a lot.
1: But you don't attach it to your life, you just attach the sounds no, I don't, to your No, life.
2: none of those, none of these are reflections or feelings of me. Hmm. I love Birdhouse in Your Soul by They Might Be Giants, yeah. but not, not really because of the lyrics. It's just a great noise. I still have love uh, Orinoco Flow by Enya.
1: No! Yeah. Dad, no!
2: Come on, no guilty pleasures has a concept. It doesn't exist.
1: What was the first album you bought?
2: I think it was Starless and Bible Black, which is King Crimson. I bought um, it in Wales.
1: Yeah. But we like the Unthanks cover because that's super folk.
2: That's of Starless, which, as you'll know, if you know anything about King Crimson, it is not on Starless and Bible Black or on Starless, it's on red. I don't know. Keep up, Billy.
1: Sorry.
2: The first uh, single I remember owning, Auntie Amy and Uncle Ted got me because mm. I asked for it. And that was Trains and Boats and Planes by Burt Bacharach. Any good? Let's say it's of its time. Okay. But obviously, when I was a kid. Mm. I used to work with a guy, and his kid was frantically mad on Cotton Eye Joe. Do you remember that? God, awful. Exactly, but that's what kids do. They just pick up on nonsense. Yeah, but you that.
1: have very good... You are the most knowledgeable person I know, but it's all random, sort of useless information.
2: It is
0: useless information.
1: Which is, I think, from reading, from reading so much. and yes, reading religiously the two papers every day for work purposes
2: for work purposes and
1: you're a copywriter which if means you should the be revenue. you're a copywriter which means you should be attracted to words and and focused on lyrics but you're not because you you use language every day
2: well one is work and one is art with okay a, with a tiny little a
1: this is why you don't like literature because it's analysis and that's work
2: it's hard work it's
1: hard work yeah
2: Unless a theme is hitting me across the face with a sledgehammer, I just can't be asked to try and find it.
1: You just say death in the whole of Shakespeare and you're good to go.
2: Apart from the comedy, which is so hilarious.
1: Is it? No. Oh.
2: <laughs> no. I had to do with D.H. Lawrence. Is it either Captain's Doll or the Ladybird for A no it and Lovers. No, it was, it, was a, it was novellas. And our teacher, she howled with laughter at some of the driest prose you ever ever meet mm. and we could not for the life of me see where the joke where the holes where the joke should have been
1: I kind of love that I but love an enthusiastic teacher
2: well yes but
1: you reference lots of music in your school life in your essays
2: I did in my O level Simon and Garfunkel about yeah. there we had, to, we had to write on I think the th- the title given was the island for an essay so I was a kid who didn't get on with his I don't know move to a new town or something and was bullied in the scout troop and just kept thinking a solace for um, I'm a rock, I'm an island, and a rock feels no pain. And and I'll never,
1: never cry. Yes. Which I think is really sad. Yeah. But Beautiful.
2: So now you're making me a liar again because there's a bit of lyrics. Exactly. Uh-huh. I'm just
1: trying to, I'm, I'm going into psychoanalysis here.
2: Well, thank you for this therapy. No, I find God. it very rewarding.
1: I knew you were going in for the accents. Yeah. Well. Um, but you do have random nuggets of music that no one would have ever heard of, which you then gave to me, which I like. Yes. Such as the cover of, you know, It's a Fine Day was the last song on the first album and that is James and Edward N- Barton. Which is something that's really kind of prominent in my growing up.
2: And the other thing with everybody who plays the guitar is little fiddly bits, and you talked about some that you play before. And the other one that you've never taken any further at all, and why should you, is Roundabout by Yes.
1: Yeah, I can only do the first bit.
2: Yeah, which is great.
1: I can play the rest of it, but it's just boring. Yes.
2: That's exactly it.
1: Yeah. What else? A lot of 50s and 60s music.
2: Not fifties, I don't think. You probably think it's fifties. I
1: probably do.
2: Fifties was rock and roll.
1: Ink Spots, that's
2: thirties. Yes, but I know that, that could have come out under the ironing board, I which think is the so. name of my autobiography. Yeah. That that kind of knowledge, because you don't get that anywhere else. But also there was a little revival, um, Whispering Grass, which is an in Ink Spots.
1: Whispering Grass Dah. Yeah. The no, no.
2: There was a no. sitcom called It Ain't Off Ot Mum. Set in the British Army in India, mm. racist as you like. Great. Uh, and Windsor Davis and Donna Stell, who were two of the actors in there, released Whispering Grass. So some of that music got more play then. So got it's been given a little shove in mm. my head. Tell them, Lofty. That's a perfect impression of Windsor Davis during that song.
1: I'm sure it is. I don't doubt you for a second. Yeah. Um, and we get a lot of music from radio. Six music. Six music. Yeah. And Desert Island Discs. Yes. I pick up things from that because people talk about albums I've never heard of and and they are so seminal.
2: Yes, it leads you on. There's loads of stuff that I still don't know that people, if, you know, the 100 albums you listen to before you yeah. blew in the ears, there's lots on there that I've even never played or can't stand.
1: Which is okay, because it's so subjective, it's one person's opinion. Though. Yes,
2: it is, but sometimes you just can't say it. Astral Weeks.
1: You don't like Astral Weeks? No. You're joking?
2: Why would I joke?
1: That's just such it's a good album.
2: seriously bad.
1: The last song, Slim Slow Slider, are you having a lap? No. Okay. Am, but I dead, that,
2: am I dead to you?
1: That's why... That's jazzy.
2: It's nonsense. <laughs> it's not nonsense. I think I'll leave it there. nonsense.
1: Okay. I can do that. Okay. Uh, yeah, what else do we listen to? Radiohead. Radiohead is a big family thing.
2: Yes. Damien Rice, Radiohead, some of The Who, Loudon Wainwright. Loudon Wainwright, The Third. The Third. I don't know where I got him from. He didn't come from my family, like The Who came from my brother. Mm. I don't know where Loudon, he might have been played on John Peel, I suppose.
1: Do you remember your first gig?
2: No, but I know what it was. I remember it, but I don't know what it was. Okay. There was a band. Liverpudlion band that started at the same time as a Beatles called Jerry and the Pacemakers. Yeah. And I went to Leicester de Montfort Hall and saw them. Because I remember I went, but I don't remember being there. Right. Their big hit was well they did Ferry Cross the Mersey and you will never walk alone. And then didn't become Beatles. Mm. And disappeared.
1: Well, I think music is the the only thing that ties our our family together. It's why we all met each other and why we all play and listen to music is the biggest thing.
2: Yes, we can't... I don't know why it comes up in conversation, but every now and then we think, well, what would it be like? What would be in the hole where music is if there wasn't any or you didn't like it? Who are the people who can take it or leave it or don't care? Mm. And I don't want to be snobbish about it because there are people back in the 80s, if all you had in the house was Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits, you could immediately discount those people and discard them. Which is a terrible attitude, but it is—it was a bit odd.
1: Mm, it's all you had.
2: Yeah. So the, I don't know what it's like. I can't imagine the hole in people's lives when there's no music that means something or cheers them up or calms them down or whatever. I don't know what's there.
1: I don't know. But drugs. We, we, yes, probably drugs and alcohol. But we wouldn't be—I definitely would not be alive. Do you think? No way. There's nothing else to do. <laughs>
2: There's buns.
1: There's baking. <laughs> I don't think that fills it for me. Anything else you want to ask?
2: What's the longest river in, this in the world?
1: Strange fam- familial situation. <laughs> no?
2: No.
0: And there we have it. Another fascinating podcast. Thank you, Billy. Thank you, Andy. Stay tuned. There's more podcasts in this series to come. And stay tuned on Mahogany. We'll see you soon.